A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maven, concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. Yours is number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 402. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. This is the 2005 CGI computer animated reboot of the 1967 Super Marionation puppet series Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. As the name suggests, it's from producer Jerry Anderson, as the original show was. It has a total of 26 episodes that are about 22 minutes each in color, available in high definition, and in this computer graphics form. And we are back in the war between the alien Mysterons and Earth's defenders from the Spectrum organization. Of course, as you say, Brian, has to be in color, really, with an organization called Spectrum and a lead character called Captain Scarlet. Yeah, we're back in those sort of familiar conflicts between Earth and the Mysterons. Yes, when you have a show like this, it's not only in colour, it's very colourful, as the original was too. Yeah. So, the Mysterons obviously are launching their attacks on Earth. They are using their ability to take over and control human agents and also mechanical devices for their various nefarious schemes against Earth, all because of this unfortunate war that was provoked by accident by Captain Black on Mars right back in the first episode. That's right. And we have things like swarms of cyberbugs and suitcase bombs and breaches of reactors in bases. We have lots of attacks that are performed by human agents of the Mysterons that have been taken over. And we also have things like uh, system-wide cyber attacks which can seem to defeat nearly every modern weapon and modern vehicle until some very old pre-computer age technology is brought to bear we have that come up in one episode too and that was the one that made me think about thunderbird 6 the movie where again they had a similar idea that they had a situation that none of their highly advanced vehicles could deal with and they had to go back to a very old-fashioned flying machine to perform a rescue and they have to do something similar here because they can't use anything that's connected to the spectrum technology i guess yes and it plays i think a bit on the the fears of cyber attacks and things as they were in 2005 yes and of course being 2005 it does allow them to introduce that new technology for spectrum to have connected systems to have it and lieutenant green is not just a communication specialist she's the it specialist and so on so yeah, they get some new technology and of course they also, although the character designs we'll talk about later on, Brian, they get lots of new vehicle designs for this show, I think. Jerry Anderson and his 
concept artists and so on taking full advantage of what CGI can deliver to give us a whole range of new vehicles, shall I say. Yes, that's right. And you have the the flexibility that while they were building computer models, you didn't have to build physical models that would wear and sometimes be destroyed in your explosions, or you might need multiple ones. With computer animation, once you built the design for something you could do a lot with it and that let them build a little more and have some new things in there like flying motorcycles and that sort of thing and of course a new series for a new century also allowed for a more diverse cast and for bigger roles for some of the female members of the cast so for instance destiny angel gets a much bigger role As you said last time, Brian, she's much more like an agent. uh, So she's not just a fighter pilot. She's also uh, getting involved in other missions and various uh, attacks and defences from what the Mysterons have created. And, of course, there's Lieutenant Green, who is a female character in this version and gets, I noted, sort of her own episode in a way when her father, a famous astronaut who's lost in space suddenly returns to Earth unexpectedly. But of course, you get that question of whether he may or may not be a Mistron agent, whether he's been taken over. And while I'm calling back to other shows we've covered, Brian, that gave me a sort of Quatermass experiment feel about the returning astronaut. Yes, that's an interesting point. Yeah, they were able to, at this point, you know, do more with the characters, and that was really nice. And we had sort of character focus episodes, and they were able to do things a little bit more with the relationships growing and changing over time, which they couldn't really do in the original, where they couldn't rely on what order they would be transmitted in any given region. So yeah, they were able to to do more of that, which is nice. Another thing they threw in is possibly maybe there could be the death of Captain Scarlet. Maybe he isn't quite as indestructible as he seems. So they sort of dabble with things there too. Yeah, that's an interesting episode. Almost plays out like a ghost story, I guess, Brian. Yes, they do play with some interesting sort of sci-fi and genre ideas and get to play some of those out a little bit more than they did in the 60s. Yeah. And talking of the 60s, we should uh, obviously get into some of the comparisons and the nitty-gritty of puppets or super marionettes versus CGI. Yeah. And you and I are both fans of Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, which was the 1967 Super Marionation version of this concept. I think you remember it from a long time back. I was introduced to it as an adult when we covered it in 2012, but I certainly did see it before I saw the computer animated version. Yes, we are huge fans of that show, let's say. So yeah, it had the the balance of using those puppets that had more realistic proportions along with this nice set of 
special effects with explosions and things they were doing with miniatures. And also this sort of, I thought, more interesting writing and voice acting than they had done earlier. And they would squeeze all of that into uh, 25-minute runtime. So it was quite high-paced, and it was a pretty strong show and must have been pretty groundbreaking at that point. So we covered that in 2012, British Invaders 139 and 140. Now we know that Jerry Anderson was always very keen. He was always interested in developing new shows for television and very keen to involve new technologies, to use new technologies to deliver some of his ideas and his wonderful shows to television. We'd seen him play with various different technologies way back with the puppet shows such as trying to introduce some live action into the secret service that we covered we've seen him later on do stop motion animation in dick spanner pi and of course he'd already dabbled a little bit with cgi in lavender castle which we've also covered although that mixed a stop motion animation and puppets with some CGI backgrounds and spaceships and so on, I believe, Brian. Yes, absolutely. He certainly did like sort of mixing these approaches and technologies. And he did do live action series as well, of course, from the end of the 60s well into the 70s and even later in the 90s. But yeah, he was introducing new technology for how the puppets would work throughout the 60s, and then finally doing this mix of puppetry and live action in the Secret Service, which most people would say didn't work that well. They were doing things with puppets that you would see in close-up and human actors who you would see in wide shots. And that was sort of a strange thing that never the two would never quite match. Well, come 2005, they could do motion capture with computer animation. And it meant you could have real, you know, live action human motions and movement applied to the animation, which blended that animation and live action in a way that they just couldn't in the things they were trying to do in the Secret Service. And interestingly, we were talking about this before we recorded, Brian, and you pointed out to me that this the motion capture they were able to do, they probably focused quite a bit on the action sequences, where there's fight sequences or characters having to do very sort of like dramatic or balletic or acrobatic movements. So those look quite good, but they do have some CGI characters moving through space or through, you know, through scenery, which occasionally looks a bit strange. And I guess those ones weren't motion captured. Yeah, some of the walking is, I think it's okay, but it is definitely more cumbersome and looks a little awkward. And I think that's because they weren't able to do motion capture for everything. And the most obvious weak points and what they wouldn't be doing motion capture for would be the walking. Whenever you have someone, you know, run across a room and jump out of a window or something like that. It looks great. But the more straightforward walking is not always quite as strong. And I'll be honest and say that this did bring a smile to my face 
because there's a certain irony, because as we remember from the 1960s puppet shows, the one thing they couldn't get the puppets to do properly was walk. And that was partly why the Anderson team would produce such wonderful sort of movement devices or people transport machinery to sort of have the puppets move across the scenes so they wouldn't have to do the terrible puppety walking. And I did find it slightly ironic that some of the walking sequences here in cgi still look very strange brian yes i did find that amusing as well i i do think the walking looks better than the puppet walk yeah (laughs) and yeah of course we had in the 60s all of these sort of people moving devices to avoid the walking they didn't do that quite as much here but the wonderful action sequences and explosions and things that Derek Meddings and his team would do with model work and fireworks and off-speed filming and that type of thing. They were doing that with computer graphics here, and I think that worked quite well. Yes, the sort of bag of tricks they're able to use for the various explosions and action sequences I guess Derek Meddins and his team would have given given a lot to be able to do similar things. But, of course, they did remarkable stuff with those bits and pieces back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, absolutely. We should perhaps mention there's one other thing with CGI animation, which is that famous uh, or infamous Uncanny Valley effect, which is, as you know, as we know, as the animation nears actual human appearance it begins to look a bit strange and puzzles us and causes us some slight um, odd feelings i think here in 2005 that's not too bad i mean it's quite obviously it is cgi animation and we don't quite get too much of that sort of uncanny valley feeling from it brian no i think the faces were still kept to be cartoony enough that you weren't quite quite getting into that and part of it you know we're looking at this 17 years later and computer animation has come a long way since then i think what they were doing at the time in 2005 looked very good for the time and i think it still does look good i i like how this series looks excellent stuff so we should talk about spin-offs from new captain scarlet into other things and of course there were action figures and toys, things like Toys of the Vehicles, tying into the new series. This was something that we had a lot of for many of the Jerry Anderson shows, and it's no big surprise to see that we had it here as well. Yes, I mean, Anderson and his team always wise to the possibility of marketing their shows, merchandising them. I have to say, I, did, I sort of missed all the toys and vehicles for this show at the time. It was obviously a period where I wasn't going into toy shops and the like, but you can still find them still in their original boxes on various marketplaces if you look for new Captain Scarlet figures and toys. Uh, they're out there, Brian, and they're not they're not uh, ludicrously expensive like some of the 60s ones are. Yes, I don't think the demand and the number of them that have survived have uh, quite reached that point yet. We did also quite recently have Time Bomb Comics producing a comic book called Spectrum, The Worlds of Jerry Anderson, which has licensed stories from Space Precinct, Terra Hawks, and Jerry Anderson's New Captain Scarlet. It does indeed. This is quite interesting. This is a sort of British small press 
comics publisher, forming a deal with Anderson Entertainment, getting to use some of the licensed shows that obviously they still hold the full rights to, and that includes Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. I have the issue here on my desk in front of me. It is also, as we record, it is literally on the shelves of the premier news agent's chain here in the UK, WH Smith. So you can actually go into Smith's and buy this. And I'm told that there's more to come from Time Bomb Comics. If you're interested in hearing me talk to the publisher, Steve Tanner, then check out my other podcast, Mega City Book Club, because I've done an episode with him about this comic. And yeah, there's apparently more interesting team-ups with Anderson Entertainment coming in the future. Yes, you had a good discussion on that episode. And that was also launched as a Kickstarter. So you had opportunities to back it for a hard copy or a digital copy and some of them coming with some extra artwork and so on. And maybe we'll get additional Kickstarters for future episodes. That isn't clear yet. Exciting stuff, though. Absolutely. So I think we should talk about some of our own thoughts about this. So, Eamon, what did you like about Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet? Well, it is just great to be back with Jerry Anderson and the world of Captain Scarlet and Spectrum. I really, I mean, I really liked what they've done with this sort of updated version. I thought it looked really good. I thought they'd introduced new characters and new vehicles and fleshed out some of the existing characters. So, yeah, I thought the sort of look and sound and feel of the show initially, absolutely great. What did you think, Brian? I would agree with all of that. I thought the look was fantastic. It's good computer animation, although a little bit dated now, but still, it's definitely good animation. The work they did with motion capture gives you some very strong action sequences that uh, that look very good. The character design is all good, and it's all very much based on the originals, which I think shows us how good those 1960s puppet designs were, that these colorful uniforms with the hats and what have you for Captain Scarlet, Captain Blue, for the Angels, for Colonel White, for all of these Spectrum characters, those all looked very good, and they looked a lot like the 1960s versions done in the computer animated style with a new version of the logo, which is very much like the original, but with a new design of how the color looks. So yeah, the look of this I thought was really great. And with the Blu-ray now, it still really looks good. I thought that was really strong. And you'd noted earlier before we recorded, Brian, this is like a tribute to the original designs, really, of these characters and the setting and the costumes. The Spectrum uniforms look great, don't they? Yeah, the designs do look a lot like the originals for the characters and for a lot of the vehicles they do too even Skybase looked a lot like the original Cloudbase so that was really nice I'll also say that I like the writing in this a lot I think most of the episodes were really well written and they crack along they pack a lot into the 22 minutes it's very action-packed this show they still manage some character development and probably more 
character interaction in a way than we'd seen in the puppet show. But yeah, they pack in a lot in each episode. They are quite well constructed and written. Yeah, and they also, they made it less formulaic than the original was. In the original, you would basically always start with the voice of the Mysterons giving a thread about something, and this was part of their war of nerves and through the episode whatever that specific threat that was issued at the beginning was what spectrum would have to prevent or stop it from causing too much harm through the episode and it would i think end with something from the mysterons as well and it was sort of a very specific format in that way which was all right but they didn't go with that in the new one and i think that led to more interesting stories and a more possibly conventional but a more interesting sort of alien invasion type show and type scenario that you would that you would deal with each time and it sort of varied things more and allowed for some interesting and i think pretty well written storylines there couple more specifics the the cast and the music what did you make of the various actors the voices for the various lead characters for the most part they were good it's a little bit of a mixed bag the one person that I was missing from the original was Ed Bishop as Captain Blue. They had Robbie Stevens, who was fine, but you had a British actor doing an American accent for it. And it wasn't, it wasn't that bad as an American accent. It sounded okay, but it did make it a bit more like he was doing a voice rather than giving us a performance in that role. So I felt Captain Blue was a little bit less interesting as a character, at least performance and voice-wise. I did like Wayne Forrester as Captain Scarlet, and I certainly liked what they did with Destiny Angel. They didn't give her the French accent, they did it with a British accent, and a sort of more interesting, more full, fully rounded character. And having the, the female version of Lieutenant Green, that worked very well and was a good performance too. So for the most part, I like the performances in this. Yeah, I think they're all, I think they're all pretty good, actually. I think everybody does a great job. We just, obviously, we're going to miss Ed Bishop on this show. I don't think that's too much of a surprise to our listeners that we miss his wonderful contributions to all the shows we've covered over the years. Yeah, he brought a lot of character to that role, as, you know, he, he always would. There was a lot that he brought to that, and you didn't get quite as much from this take on it, where Francis Matthews was also really good as Captain Scarlet, but I think Wayne Forrester did a nice job with that. I think it was well-judged as doing something that was a little a little bit similar in style without trying to recreate what Matthews had done. What about the music? Because Crispin Morell has also got a tricky act to follow. The wonderful music of Barry Gray from the originals. How do you find the music for the new Captain Scarlet? I thought the incidental music was was good. I thought it worked well and was the right match for this. And they were doing a 2005 series. So you do want things to be updated and sort of different and appropriate to that time. So I thought that that worked well. 
the one thing I will say is that the one thing that I really missed from the original, even more than Ed Bishop, what uh, I really missed in this show was the theme music. Oh, right. The harmony performance of the, the Captain Scarlet song was very 1960s and i could see how you couldn't quite get away with that for a new audience nearly 40 years later but i still missed it i missed the drum transition i'm afraid and i know robert on the facebook group said the same that the drum the famous drum transition kettle drums i'm gonna guess possibly between sequences in the original was what I most missed from the musical. But I thought I thought Morel's music was fine. I just sort of missed that particular transition and the ending theme song. Yes, they did a new drum transition that had a similar effect to it. You know, they were doing a similar thing to it, but they made it a bit more complex with a bit more syncopation to it. And I thought it was effective, but it was definitely different if you have that original one stuck in your mind as i could see that you easily could yeah okay we're sort of drifting into some of the negative thoughts about it anything about this show that you didn't like quite so much brian there is really not a lot i did miss the theme music and the performance by ed bishop but looking at it as its own show it's pretty strong. It's somewhat limited by its time in the computer graphics. I would have liked to see them either rely a little bit less on, on walking or have slightly better walking in it. It would also be nice with the larger role for Destiny Angel if they didn't have her in the, the skin-tight bodysuit as much. I, I liked when they gave her the flight suit, but I think it would have made sense for it to have her wearing something a bit more comfortable some of the time when they have her there so much. Yeah. I noted, obviously, the walking problem where they're not using motion capture and just relying on the sort of computers to animate those bits. But even then, they just sort of thought made me smile and reminded me of some of the problems of the original show. So that wasn't too bad. As I say, it's quite obviously they are cartoon-type characters, so we don't get too much of the CGI Uncanny Valley problem. Yeah, not too bad, I think, you know, in terms of the animation and the effect of watching it now, 17 years after it was first broadcast. Yeah, most of these things we're talking about are, are really sort of nitpicking. It really works very well as a show. I will note something I kind of liked is when you mentioned The Walking, they gave Colonel White a slightly effeminate walk. And I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but I liked it. I thought it was sort of a nice uh, little twist and little addition to his character as being this sort of very commanding masculine leader character to have that slightly effeminate way that he that he moves i thought was quite nice okay i quite like that he was also a bit of an action hero himself yes absolutely he got out from behind the desk yeah and he has relationships with other people you know they deal with stuff with his marriage and his daughter you know you have connections that people have in this more so than you you did in the original yeah very good I will note, of course, that it was on its original broadcast broken up into two chunks for each episode. 
and then shown as part of this Saturday morning TV package for children with some of the credits curtailed and the title sequences curtailed. And I'll just note that Jerry Anderson always sadly struggled to a certain degree with the ITV network and how they would show his series. We've noted before, Brian, you mentioned it already, that they would often show the episodes out of order on different parts of the network, which could make introducing sort of arcs or continuity quite difficult for the producers. So I'll just notice that little sadness that, again, on this last show of his... ITV sort of messed it up slightly, I'm afraid. Yes, that is unfortunate. And I presume it's the full title sequence and credits that we're getting on the Blu-ray and various distribution channels now. Certainly it was not broken up into the into the smaller chunks. So we now get to see what they didn't get to see at the time. And I don't know if it was broadcast in high definition. I presume it probably wasn't in 2005. Right. Yeah, probably not then. But we are getting quite nice versions of it available now. And I think all in all, this worked really well. I think it was something that showed you what you could do in a reimagining of something like a 1960s Super Marionation show. And because of how well this was done, I would love to see them take another go at this in a few years and do an even newer Captain Scarlet series and sort of take some of those changes they did and even take them a little further. Okay, great stuff. It sounds like we are moving to our recommendations time, Brian. And I'm going to throw it to you first. What would you say to our listeners about this show? I am going to give this a strong recommendation. I actually enjoyed this more than the original Captain Scarlet and the Misterons. As good as the original show was, and it was great, I think this is a better one. And in part, that's because of the writing and people like Phil Ford being involved. I thought it was really strong. I think the animation still stands up. I think the stories and the performances are all worked well. This was a really good show. So yeah, it's definitely recommended for me. Excellent stuff. Well, I'm also going to recommend it to our listeners. I think this is great as well. I do still prefer the original puppet show, Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons myself. But I think this, for the 21st century, is a great show. The episodes are short enough. I think they are easy enough to stream and get hold of. I'd be fascinated to know if anybody's shown them to their child recently and how they got on. But yeah, it's another recommendation from me. Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet is great fun and highly recommended. Very good. So, in summary, Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet reintroduces us to the world where we see Spectrum going out to other places, and in particular to Mars, and we see this inadvertent attack where there is something confused and the heroes Captain Scarlet and Captain Black attack the Mysterons, who then retaliate with a war against Earth, and they use this capability called retrometabolism, which allows them to destroy a person or a machine and recreate it in service to them. 
So they recreate a new Captain Black who is working exclusively for them and attempt to do the same with Captain Scarlet, who becomes indestructible in the process and retains his identity and continues to work for Spectrum as they fend off the attacks from this alien force of the Mysterons. Fantastic stuff. Do get in touch with us on the socials and let us know what you thought yourself. Absolutely. And please come back and join us next time. We are going back to some puppets of a sort. We are also going back to a production company that we've been focusing on, which is the Small Films team. This is Bagpuss from the BBC in 1974. We are going to cover all 13 episodes of the classic Bagpuss. Yes, indeed. And that will be fun to talk about for sure. Until then, you can find all of our episodes, including lots of them about Jerry Anderson shows, at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there. You can find us on Twitter as at BritInvadersPod. So please join us for some conversations there. Yes, please drop by the socials, give us a follow and let us know how you are enjoying the shows. And also come to the Voice of Geeks Network, which you'll find at vognetwork.com. There you'll find British Invaders, you'll find some other podcasts, you'll find lots of gaming content, various streaming and Twitch channels about gaming. Drop by the Voice of Geeks and say Brian and Eamon sent you. Absolutely. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. Until next time, it's Eamon in England saying, Spectrum is still green. <laughs>